Dude, I went and saw Jim Norton last night. The family member. How was it? Yeah, Uncle Jim. No, it was honestly so funny. I mean, his opener sucked. How is that possible? Because, dude, you can tell he's trying to help this guy out. You know, he's trying to throw work to him. It's hard being out there as like a middle-aged kind of opener that with no headlining in sight. I think he's literally just throwing him some work to get him paid. Uh, He clearly had some stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. He was selling, he was selling his, his CD album like on CD. And he's like, no one has a CD player anymore, but, uh, I got 300 more <laughs> 300 left. I got to sell them so I can pay for my gas tank home, uh, which was kind of cool. But it's weird when you see the openers because they're usually like the ones selling merch, like yeah. on the way out as you, as you walk out and like all of a sudden they're just <laughs> bottom of the barrel again. You know? Just like, like you and me. Just like you and me. But he did. A, I mean, he did well with the crowd. You know, he, he had a set. It was tight. Um, would not my kind of humor though, but not, yeah. not, a, not a bad guy. I'm not judging him if you're out there, if you're listening, uh, but Jim, man, that's a great comedian. That guy's been doing it for 35 years, 40 years now. You can just tell the difference between like he has been, he's been, he came up. I don't know if he came up in the New York scene, but he's been in New York for the past 25 years just, you know, working his sets out at the Comedy Cellar, considered, you know, the the mecca of stand-up comedy, the best mm-hmm. club in arguably the world. And when he gets on stage, it's like there's zero, like, discomfort. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost, you almost feel bad for him because he's been doing it for so long that you can tell he's just like, like he has to get himself excited about it. But the crowd was really good. It was interesting. I was there with Tatiana, and I think at first she was like, kind of like, uh, what's the right word? When you hesitate to laugh, when you when there's that feeling like you're resisting laughter, just because you don't know if you really fuck with this guy or where he's really going with it. Yeah, you're just like kind of uh, tight. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, just hesitant uh, to like buy into this guy because he's kind of he's like a short bald guy that's kind of pissed off, and he has like a large uh, following of people that are, like, anti-bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's so fucking sensitive these days. This guy fucking says it like it is. Uh, so you would think that he would have... You think that he would be this, like, straight, white dude, probably a lot of conservative ideals, but he's actually... He actually walks the line super well. He told a Joe Rogan bit... I don't want to... I don't know. All Burns material, whatever. He told <laughs> I mean- a Joe Rogan... <laughs> You're burning it to who, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he told a he told like a bit on uh he started by saying basically like th- like it's ridiculous that they're trying to get Joe off the air. It's fucking ridiculous. He's just a guy. He's he's one of my I'm biased that uh, he's one of been one of my best friends for years, for thirty years, but uh and let me tell you this, if I ever need medical advice, he's the first guy I'm calling. <laughs> he's like and then he's like, Yeah, I mean the biggest criticism is that you know, his the, the ideas that he has on his platform, his misinformation might cost people lives. And he's like, good. Fuck those people. <laughs> if you're getting your medical advice from Joe Rogan, you can fucking die. And like literally half of his jokes were just like, but what happens if they get fucked? And he's like, let them get fucked. This is their fault. 
Yeah. Uh, which I kind of like that. And then at the end, he talks about how he's into, like, trans girls and how he, uh, him and his girlfriend, they've been trying to get pregnant. And they went to the doctor and they're like, Doc, we can't get it. Like, we've been trying everything. And he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but your your girlfriend has a dick. <laughs> this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but, so how'd Tatiana, great show. how'd Tatiana warm up to him? Did she end up liking him? Love. I mean, as soon as he found out that he was like, like basically sexually fluid, very into trans women. Um, she was like all the way on his team. Yeah. But until then she wouldn't buy in, which I thought was interesting because like, it, I mean, truly it goes to show you that it's not just based on the, the way a joke is presented or the tone or the setup or the punch or like the angle that you're taking for Tatiana. It, she needs to know that he is not just like a straight white dude, that he's got some sort of checkered past or, or sexual fluidity in order to like validate his kind of hot takes. Yeah. I'm not the same way, obviously. Um, I'm all about the jokes as they come out. But as soon as she found that out, I think it like, she almost was like, oh, what the fuck was I worried about? Like this guy is clearly bullied as a kid. You know, I don't know. I think it's interesting too. I've heard about people... uh like stand-ups talking about how they kind of create their set and like how they organize jokes where like you gotta, you gotta have the audience understand that you're not a psychopath before you make like a psycho type joke. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like if, if no one knows your name and you go up there and you just start talking about like outlandish shit, yeah. you can't expect them to like trust that you're not. A no, killer. you can't. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Like, especially you if you're no one. That's why, that's why apparently like when, professional comics always talk about the difference between like playing a big room and then playing a big room of your fans. It's you, there's no time spent winning them over. They understand your point of view. They appreciate you. They give you the benefit of the doubt immediately and you can Mm -hmm. just go and be free. I mean, I think part of it kind of allows for, like I think you almost need that that muscle worked of like winning the crowd over to stay balanced and to stay tight, but um, that's why I think a lot of comedians have some of their best specials like right when they pop, you know. Honest, obviously, because they've been working on the material for years and years and years, and it's never gone anywhere. Um, but also just because they're used to that, like coming from behind, winning the crowd over, playing both sides kind of taking the crowd with them and you know pushing them and pulling them and I don't know it's just interesting but but I but I definitely agree with you the the structure the order of your jokes all of that has to be spot on and he did such a good job yeah and I'm sure like he knows his place where he's a comedy like he's a comedy great if you're a comedy fan yeah but he's not you know the the A-list, like the Pete Davidson, where like Tatiana could literally walk into the room and just be like so mesmerized by this guy. Yeah, he could just like read his text and they would die laughing for the entire set. Totally, he literally could. He could Man. pull out a children's book like that dumbass in Australia. Oh my god! And like, and that could be his entire act, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, he's so funny." Yeah, I mean, be, even beyond like, yeah, he's not A-list. He is he is a comics comic. Every every. Every comedian you know respects and l- thinks Jim Norton is very funny. Yeah. You know? Um, 
and that's those are the comics that I love to see because there's a different there's a different level of skill when they're working when you see them live. They might not translate well to the mainstream or to like a sort of some sort of video special version of themselves um, because obviously stand up comedy is best consumed live, but they live in the clubs. You know, like this guy has been a hardcore club comic for decades now. Never like I'm sure he could play theaters if he wanted to, but he's just he's 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 like uh, he's so good at what he does in a club. It's insane. I mean, the whole room was roaring at one point. It was pretty cool. I, I can't think of other like other industries or other jobs where you have that choice like you do when you have a comic where it's like, all right, are we trying to sell out Madison Square Garden or are we trying to just just like suit the super fans in comedy clubs around the country? Yeah, you know, because like he right. like he like that's his goal isn't to sell out stadiums. Like his goal isn't to no like market to the masses. No, but I'm trying to think of like like other examples of people that have that have that decision to make but I can't really think of anything. I mean I guess it would be like like, like any mainstream like, comic like 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 comics that have mainstream success um there's like the class of just greats that are undeniable. Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Like these guys are still edgy and have their opinions uh but they're just so fucking hilarious and charismatic that they kill on in front of everyone. Yeah. And then there's like the the comedians com- the comics comic who is like you know Mark Marin for a while Jim Norton um, you know Patrice O'Neill was kind of like that uh, these guys that don't have the mainstream success but within the comedy Dave Attell even these guys are like beloved by every comedian and they always stick to the club level because like they're kind of that that grungy level um, but. I would say, like, the biggest mainstream comedians right now, obviously Pete Davidson's one of them, Colin Jost is one of them, uh, Michael Che is huge. Basically, anyone on that 9-11 memorial set, uh, set list was yeah is a mainstream comic right now. Tom Segura, not to say they're bad. Joe Rogan, not to say they're bad comics, but, like, at all. I love Tom Segura. I don't think Joe Rogan's stand-up is great, but... Um, I think it's just one of those things where it's like they like they enjoy the comedy aspect of it and other people enjoy the celebrity aspect of it, which is not a, yeah. again, it's not like a better or worse thing. It's just like you fall somewhere along that spectrum of saying, like, I just, all I want to do is tell really good jokes. And like, yeah. if I get the living that I get, you know, Jim Norton probably doesn't have to worry about shit. Like, he's not buying yeah. a house in Bel Air, but he's also not starving. No, not at all. He's living in a nice apartment. He doesn't yeah. have kids. He's like what comedians used to be, you know, just like checkered past, a lot of illness, a lot of issues, but hilariously fun. Like so funny. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Before it was like an opportunity to make like, you know, eight figures. And I think that's more so now. Yeah. I think more so now people get into comedy because it's like, it's popping and there's kind of fame to be had money to be made. But when those guys started, I mean, they were outcasts, you know, there was no, I mean, there were there was like maybe three spots all the way at the top, but everyone else was fighting for you know half half filled clubs touring across the country. You know, mm-hmm. that's the spot they were fighting for because they love comedy. Yeah, like like you said, there's always been the greats, but at that point, there's two, three that have these global tours going on. I would yeah. assume I honestly don't know the history that well, but it seems like now it's you know there's there's a hundred comics making. 
fuck you money. Really good money. Yeah. Really good money. Yeah, absolutely. Actor celebrity style money. Oh, yeah. Especially with podcasts popping off the way they are. Makes me wonder, um, do podcasts, is that like the most effective way to get brands out there? Because I feel like these companies spend so much money on them. Like, there's crazy much. I mean, your sister works in it. I mean, wasn't she telling you that, like, it's, like, based on impressions and... Yeah. Yeah, she works in... Um, she works for, like, an ad agency that... Uh, I think they represent the... They're, like, the middleman between the, the companies that want to get their sponsors out there and the podcasts that are looking to host sponsors. Yeah. But, I mean... So, what I don't get is, like, everyone's saying, like, you know the part of my take guys get paid $30 million an episode from ad money? Or it's, like... You know, Joe Rogan, like people throw out these insane numbers. It's like, it's like, no, yeah, Joe Rogan makes $7 million an episode. It's like, it's true. It's like, if that's true, is he a billionaire by now? Like, like right. people if throw out these just un- like, unbelievable numbers be like, no, no, no. It's like, that's how it pays. I'm like, fuck, uh, it I is mean, like, Joe Rogan's up there, you know, he's the, he's on the Bezos level. Or he will be in two years. Yeah. I mean, he puts out an episode every, like twice a week. Yeah. And what was his Spotify I don't know. deal? Like 200 million or something? 400 million? 200 million? No, way less than that. It was like 100 million. I think it was at least two. Okay, maybe, well, let's call it 150. Is that good with you? <laughs> if we had Jamie right now, it'd be so much easier. <laughs> exactly. The I, I, the money is good. I, I wonder, I mean, if it was a $150 million deal, that's just to move it onto their platform. I mean... I have no idea what kind of calculations go into that, but that feels like a shit ton of money. But there's no way, there's no way he makes seven million an episode, and all they had to pay was a hundred and fifty. No, this is what I'm saying. Like it doesn't add up. Yeah, it doesn't add up. But um, well, once well, we get on the inside, we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll explain <laughs> it to you guys. Once Spotify reaches out, uh, no, it's crazy to think like he gets paid. We'll agree on one hundred fifty million dollars. Sure. And that seems like an unbelievable amount of money. Like, he's the best. Just for the deal. Just as the deal, yeah. And yeah, he, just But the he's the best podcaster in terms of viewers, in terms of numbers, yes. whatever stats you want to look at. The most popular. He's dominant. Patrick yeah. Mahomes got paid $500 million for a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, now I'm all fucked up. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah, now I'm confused again. Because that doesn't add up either. Which part doesn't add up? It doesn't add up. You're right. Like Patrick Mahomes gets a $500 million contract, but the most famous podcaster in the world gets paid $150 million to use their... I don't know. I feel like you'd have to pay more. Well, I'm going from the side of just like, holy shit, do professional athletes make an unreal amount of money? Yeah, that's true. Like baseball they players, have to. football players, they have to, but like... They should, dude. They, I mean, they, the amount of money that gets made off of them. I guess they better guess be getting they, paid well. They, they should, because who else should get it? You know, my thing is like, yeah, the, exactly. like the owners shouldn't keep it. The trillionaire yeah. owners, but yeah, go fuck yourself. Owner. Yeah, but it's also crazy to think like, damn, he throws that ball so good, he gets paid half a billion dollars. Yeah, like that's unbelievable to think about. So the other day, sorry to switch subjects, but the other day. I had a bit of a strange moment in my building. First of all, I went to uh, I went to lunch because Taylor was visiting in town. So, like, during Friday workday, I went out and I was going to get a, a nice lunch with Taylor and Henry. 
And I mean, I didn't really, I didn't tell my team or anything, but it was just going to be like an hour long lunch and I would go back to work. Yeah. And sure enough, like I walk in first person, I see my boss just like at, at like a lunch with whatever board he is on. He's like, Connor. And he was like, so surprised to see me. He's like, this is what you do when you're working on Fridays. And I was like, Oh, and then the whole, the whole time I'm at lunch, I'm like, am I, am I in trouble? Do they think less of me? Um, but no, he was cool about it. He sent a, he rousted me in the group chat, but it was all good. It was all in love. How much is um, he like your immediate boss or like? He's, he's my, he's like the division director. So the higher. Damn. The higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a bit of a bummer, but, uh, but it was honestly, it seemed like it was a pretty low key day in general. Then I get home from the lunch and I love my location. I even love my apartment. But my building leaves a lot to be desired, and I get in, and uh, as the door is closing to my elevator, you know how it like it it's like heavy, so it like closes pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And I just hear, "Oh, like can I get in that with you? Can I get in?" The-? And I'm like, "Yeah, of course." And I hold it and I open, and uh, this person comes in who lives kind of in a studio on the bottom floor near the elevator, and they're just like super jumpy, super tweaky, um, kind of like, kind of like like doing like the the jonesy thing and just like really wide-eyed and blood eyes are bloodshot like like face skin has like rashes and peeling and shit and oh like, god yeah and they're just like i'm um, like oh where are you where you want to go and and it, it, the person was uh fluid i believe non-binary yeah um so they were like like i don't know like like i don't know maybe you can help me there's this there's this like this bitch took all my shit, dude. And I was like, okay, um, uh, what floor is she on? I can, <laughs> I can take you to her. And then we will, cause when I had a thing of like, you're not getting off on my floor, you know? Cause like they got in there kind of trying to like with no, I, I, clearly in a very drugged out state. Yeah. Uh, but they were moving really quick and I was like, it was starting to make me a little uncomfortable. No lie. And then and I was like, she's like, maybe, you, or they were like, maybe you can help me. You know, about this tall little Filipino girl. Like, have you seen her around? And I was like, no. And, like, as I'm, like, as she's, they are telling me this, I'm, like, opening the door to the <laughs> elevator. And I'm just like, uh, maybe I would try. Oh, I don't know. You, you take the elevator. I'll just take stairs. And I got upstairs, and I was, and I, and I'm, my first thought was, like, this is why you can't live in, like, your first shitty apartment forever. Because I actually, because like I said, I like my apartment in my building, but that shit would get old. Yeah. It, like once I start, you know, I don't know. Were they, it, were they about five, eight in height with blonde hair? No, they were about five, eight, maybe five, seven, um, with pink dyed hair. Kind of short. Yeah. So you do see you, this? Do you know what the story I'm about to tell? No. So the same person, yeah. when when all of our college friends came up to San Francisco to see you guys, it was like Patrick, uh, Miles, uh, Patrick and Miles' first time coming to your apartment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like coming down to get them, like open the door. And that same person, literally like almost the exact same situation. Yeah, He's in the hallway going, that bitch took all my shit. That fucking yeah, yeah. took all my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, common. And we were like, 
oh, uh, uh, and then he just books it up the stairs. And then we get into the elevator and the way the elevator in Connor's building works is like, it's just kind of like a gate that closes. It's not like the conventional doors that, uh, like block <laughs> the, the, the new age <laughs> modern yeah. elevator, the modern elevator where you're actually in a room. It's like, you're in an open face box pretty much. Yeah. So exactly. every, every floor he we went up, we could just see him frantically running up the stairs. Oh my and God. And Patrick and miles were just like, Holy shit. Like where does Connor live? And yeah, maybe they're maybe they're not uh maybe they're I thought they were a she, but I thought it was ambiguous, but then again, next time I'm telling Dana the story, we're going down the elevator, I pop out, this person's like just darting back and forth in the downstairs lobby. This yeah. person's a little bit of a little bit of a menace. One time I was at the door and this guy's standing at the like I opened the apartment door and like, dude, this is so uncomfortable. Uh but like I open the door to walk out of my apartment building and someone just like charges in to the building. Oh. And I'm just like, oh fuck. What do you do? Like he smelled like shit. Smelled so bad. Clearly hadn't showered in like over a week, like just glossed over, barely even talking. And then just like standing at the door to that person's apartment, just like like come on, like please let me in. And like no, I don't want you here, and I'm just like, all right, Damn. this is not my problem. Yeah, uh, and I dip. Um, that's gnarly. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Uh, that's yeah, that's so strange because it was like almost the exact same story. Yeah, and the same yeah. like pure panic state, just yeah, trying to find this person. That yeah, and we were we were we were wondering because he was running up the stairs. We were like, did someone rob your apartment and then stay inside the apartment <laughs> building? Like. I th- I don't know what it is. I think it's like a Yeah, it sounds like it's not actually a Filipino girl stealing his shit every time. Yeah. It sounds like it's probably just like a like a tweak, like yeah. kind of like a manic thing that they choose to do or maybe not choose to do but feel the need to do when they're like drugged out, but Did I tell the story kinda... on here about the uh the crazy tweaker in Dolores Park with the the DJ and the birthday party. No, I thought I did. I'll, I'll make it short in case I already told it. But pretty much, my girlfriend and I were in SF like a month ago now, and I'd never been to the mission before. And we have like a super nice day. Like we started like the actual mission and like go around there, and it's like so nice. And we walk down to Dolores Park, and we're just like sitting and kind of overlooking every like everyone. There's like people watching pretty much. Yeah. And there's this group of like six people, 15 yards in front of us Mm -hmm. and they're celebrating someone's birthday or it's like some occasion for like a gathering. And every minute, like another person walks in, they're like, Oh my God, hi. And they hug and everything. And on our way into the park, we passed this guy and it was like the first homeless guy I'd seen in SF on that trip where it was just like, like it almost like shook me a little bit, like super bloodshot eyes. Mm-hmm. Like no shirt, kind of just smelled terrible, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like I don't know, like a lot of the homeless people you see in that stuff don't. Yeah, yeah. They don't. No, they don't shock you yeah. like that. They're just minding no, their no. own business. No, yeah. And this guy was clearly just kind of on one. Extra homeless, <laughs> <laughs> like series four homeless. <laughs> and so we're sitting on this bench, looking over this uh, little gathering, and whatever the homeless guy walks up to them and just like starts being like, "I I need that. Give me that. Give me that sun kiss." Yeah, and the person's like, all right, all right, sorry, 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 give me that something. And, and I want the, ch- I want the chips too. I want the chips too. 
they're like, okay, sorry, whatever, give him the chips. And Lori's just like, oh, that's such a bummer. Like, they're just trying to have a birthday party and they don't want to be an asshole to the homeless guy. Like, they're just trying to give yeah. him what he wants to try and make things yeah. easy. And the guy wanders over to the next group and does the same thing and then comes right back to their group. And, like, the friends are seeing each other for the first time in a while and hugging. And this guy's, like, shouting in their ear the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, man, it's such a bummer. There's no, there's no one you can turn to in this situation for help. Yeah. Like there's no park security guard, whatever. Right. And right as I say that, there's two guys setting up like a DJ board where they're like yeah. doing their decks and like these big subs, big speakers on top of like a foldable table. Yeah. They've got like a coffee pot too, which I thought was hilarious. Like they're setting up to like fucking rinse for like hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck and yeah. This, before they can even plug the coffee maker into the generator, the cop, a cop walks up to them and is like, guys, you can't be Not doing cool. that here. You can, like Not that's cool. completely unacceptable. You're disturbing the peace. People are Back just trying to have a nice day out here, <laughs> and you're going to ruin that for them. And literally nine yards away, this homeless yeah. guy's like showering himself in sun-kissed and chips, just like yeah. not even eating or drinking what he was given, <laughs> just bathing himself in this sugar liquid. Yeah, that's and so funny. it was like the biggest, uh, I don't know if you call that like a paradox or a, um, is that irony? I don't know what the word is, but it was. Juxtaposition maybe. Yeah. Paradigm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's really funny. And not to and sorry, not to shit on like homeless people, you know. Obviously, that's a rough go, but and they're not yeah, exactly. Some of them got a little extra flair to them. That's all. Uh, One time I was <laughs> dude, this uh sorry, you you can make your point if you want to, but I was going to say I think there's a difference between like shitting on homeless people and just like acknowledging like this was like yeah. this was an experience, this you know. Is, yeah, this was yeah, this was kind of fucked up. Probably not this guy's uh, fault, or I don't know whose fault it is, but it's just. But it's also like in that situation, I'm not going to blame someone for being like, "Dude, can you fuck off?" Yeah, you but know? like, do I have the balls to tell this guy to fuck off? Like, if you don't have the balls, then he's just going to keep harassing you. So I know, grow him. And the, how how that ended up is the guy ended up leaving them and walking up the hill. And Lori, my girlfriend, was like, "I just I don't want to get in this interaction right now." Yeah. And then we just stood up. That's so funny. That's so Lori's like, I can't. This is not my uh, forte. She was like, it seems like I'm not enjoying this bench that much where I feel like I have to stand my ground. (laughs) That's funny. One time I was, uh, I mean, obviously this weekend I had a, a, not this weekend, but the weekend before. um, Perhaps the listeners could tell because we recorded on a Monday, a Monday after like a very, gnarly weekend for me of drinking um and i was just super embarrassed because i like drank way too much and i and not just like drank way too much but like stayed out being too drunk um just embarrassing myself or or i'm sure i'm making it worse in my head than it actually is but anyways on sunday i remember walking home like walking around my neighborhood and I kind of do this thing when I'm hungover and I, or I'm having like bad anxiety where I talk to myself a lot. And it's like, it can, like if a violent intrusive thought comes in that embarrasses me or, or cringy memory or something, I'll literally be like, ah, fuck, stop. God damn it. And I literally was walking by a homeless guy and I did that. And he was like, fucking, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. It is where it is. Everyone thinks they're above them until you guys. Everyone thinks they're above it until you fucking freak out the homeless dude with your intrusive thoughts. Um, 
I have a I was thinking about making that into a bit. I think that's there's a lot of potential right there. There's a lot of potential. I mean it was funny when you told it in seven seconds. <laughs> that's a good seven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need four more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Only forty eight more of those. Um uh, I had a couple I had a couple actually new bits. Um you want to go? Can I go over them with you? Yeah, let's go one for one. Cause I've I've thought of it a bit as just something I thought about today. Yeah, let's go one for one. I was trying okay. to think about something to talk about. So that was one of them. Um, okay, I want to make a bit. So obviously, I'm close to the TL tenderloin. For those that don't know, tenderloin is like considered just a seedy part of the city. A lot of homeless people, um, and a lot of culture, though. You know, I got love for the for the tenderloin. It's not as bad as people think. Obviously, I'm a guy, so I'm, I have certain luxuries in that area. But, uh, anyways, I want to make a bit because if you go on any, there's a ton of electric scooters in San Francisco, like Revel and Lime and whatever. Yeah. Right. That you can like basically have an account, throw money on it, you can scoot around the city. But there's certain places where you're not allowed to park, and they literally on the map. It's like a no park zone. It's like red zoning, and it's like around the Tenderloin, around Soma, and I I want to make a bit where it's like like zoning laws. I I mean it's it's tricky territory, but do you see the point? The, yeah. you see where I'm going with it. Yeah. The direction would be like how like like we think we're making progress until you see the fucking <laughs> really not allowed to park in the <laughs> Tenderloin. Okay, <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> Tech is great. So it's on the tenderloin, huh? That's funny. Yeah, there's like, like what metrics is is the corporate right. office looking at? Where they're like, yeah, you know, Bush Streets. Bush Streets okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't know about Sutter. Post. Don't even think. We about just it. don't think that's our target demographic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, it's it's a very tangible modern way to just like keep things divided and keep the money in one place and the not money in another place. Um, but I, so that, that's maybe a, uh, there's not a lot of funny to it yet, but I like the idea of comparing, like it is like modern day zoning, uh, just on like a very fun, like on a very funny scale, you could talk about it as if you were like passionate about like, not as if obviously, but like, obviously <laughs> <laughs> where do you stand? No, where do you stand on it? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course the history of zoning and uh, red zoning is horrible. But, like, talking about it as if, like, passionately hating on zoning laws, but, like, in, like, scooter jargon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there might be some funny ways to go about that. But that was the kind of bit that I'm working on right now. I like those jokes, um, too, where, it like, it starts off as a an observation of something that is, like, it's funny. It's funny because it's an observation you've made that will probably, like, slide under the radar of most, of most right. innocent observers. Right. Where they're just like, oh, I can't park the bird here. All right. Like that. I mean, they'll probably will get tra- like someone's probably going to kick it if it's here. So, right. It makes sense. I, I guess. Get it. Yeah, whatever. I like you it's don't think park here. you don't cool. think into the fact that like, wait, so you're telling me that they had the meeting and then someone like it took enough effort where someone had to redesign the, they're like, the line map. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there were protests. The programmer chip where they can't park yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's something where, you know. Like the, the they change the zoning laws based on you know what I mean, yeah yeah that's what I like about it too is it's 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 totally something 
that you can just look at and be like, okay, I can't park here. I can't park here. That makes sense. Uh, but if you like zoom out and you're like, wait, like that's fucking weird, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's like the it's like the rescue for every curb episode. Not to do another Larry David callback, but I've been watching a lot yeah. of YouTube clips of the Curb's recently. great, dude. But it's great. it's ev- like every episode seems like something where it's you step back and you're like, that's ridiculous, right? Like and it's him just exploring those ideas for the entire time, right? Um, so the bit it's not even a bit. It was just my observation from today. Yeah, I went and got a haircut at a new uh, a new barber in San Diego, nice. and. I've probably I've probably had a handful of barbers in the last couple of years, and I find myself always gravitating towards barber shops that are like, kind of like young, like young people getting their hair cut, young people cutting the hair, not like trendy, but just not like I don't want to go to supercuts, I guess. Okay. And I've gotten to see like how different barber shops try and create like the vibe that they're going for, and every single one tries to go for this like rugged like like classic American tattoos, like type vibe. <laughs> Saloon. And, like literally the one I was in today was so funny, dude. They have like all of these, they have all these like skate decks with like, that are made by like hair product suppliers. And I'm like, all right, yeah. that kind of makes sense. Like whatever, it's like, we're an Encinitas, kind of like a skate culture. Right, 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 right. And it's, you know, whatever hair products, barbershop makes sense. And then the other wall, there's a wall of like people getting their hair cut um, like really traditional, like fifties, like slick back hair, like really hard parts, just like your traditional, like John Hamm and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, mad, yeah. mad men, mad men, just like, whatever. I kind of get that. Like, that's the vibe they're trying to build. And then the other wall was just like, was just probably like 25 to 30 portraits of just like good looking men, like good looking <laughs> celebrity men, like nothing to do with haircuts. It was like, it was like Ryan Reynolds smoking a cigarette. It was like, yeah. It was like uh, like Bruce Willis just like looking like a tough guy. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was that, yeah. Maybe what, a Vin Diesel in there. Yeah, it, like there was Kelly Slater was there who's literally bald, like like no hair to cut. And right. It was just a wall of people. Of just absolute studs. Just studs. And yeah. not only studs, but also like studs, like literally like probably 14 of them were smoking cigarettes. Like yeah. just trying to create this. This, this like hard ass. like macho. Yeah. And it's just like I stepped I back like, and I was like, "Why is why is that there? Like, it's not for me. What does that accomplish, man? Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't fit into the barber shop like yeah. thing at all. Like, every, right. every wall you transitioned from, like it was like okay, like skate decks kind of makes sense. Photos of people getting their hair cut, I get it. And then the last it. one was just like, I don't know, like what should we put up there? Like, let's just try and think of uh, just I don't know, like dope shit. It was like, what's gonna make guys? <laughs> Like us, <laughs> like there was like a Peaky Blinders photo up there of the guy. Yeah, you know? I'm like, dude. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely something funny there. It is weird how barbershops, like for some reason, tap into masculinity so hard. And yeah, uh, they just want you to feel like you're just there with the guys, you know. Yeah, fuck yeah. The faint smell like, of cigarettes. You, you on can your have a drink breath. if you want to. Yeah, it's like a, when we were in college, the that place that tried to like promote their business by like <laughs> buying us like handles while we all got our hair cut you know like that was like their pitch to us to like get the nate the word out there and get you know carve out their brand yeah and they always try and have a keg with a pool table for some reason and like yeah there's just yeah. like johnny walker beer. there's johnny walker yeah. on the counter that i've never seen anyone drink ever and it's yeah there's like so many similarities to like a fucking 
vape shop. Yeah, literally. And it's every yeah. it's every barbershop that I go to. Yeah, it's like a cigar shop. It's like a cigar shop probably, is what it is. It probably said something about the barbershops that I choose to go to. Yeah. But it's just so funny. I went to, to a very similar one in Slow. Everyone has their own take on it. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's it for me. <laughs> I got one. This isn't, I mean, I wrote this out in a long joke, but essentially the joke is like how, how like a lot of straight dudes today as like a way to be like both masculine and open-minded are like, like if you ask them if they would be upset if their girlfriend cheated on them with another girl, they'd be like, as long as I can watch, what's up? <laughs> You know what I mean? But, like, truthfully, if they did get swooped by, like, a, just a dominant lesbian at a bar, it would be, like, they would be absolutely crushed. So just, like, walking through them, like, that scene of, like, like having your girlfriend just absolutely, like, pounced on by, like, a dominant lesbo and there's nothing you can do about it because your girlfriend's totally into it. Yeah. Would just be, like, soul-crushing. I just think there's something funny there where it's, like, like, be careful. Be careful what you say because you're not as tough as you think you are, you know? And it's also, I think part of that too is like that fantasy. It's always like the really dainty, like just yeah. stunning <laughs> lesbian girl, a lesbian woman. Yeah, and it's like in reality, it's like, I don't know, like you're probably not that good looking. Like the, you know, <laughs> your, your female equivalent could be, you know? Yeah, dude, a very charismatic lesbian. could If she could sway your girl, like you're going to feel robbed. You're going to be you're gonna feel, yeah. You're going to be hurt. Um, that is funny. Yeah, nothing. Nothing more. I'm gonna say on the podcast, but I've got some good ideas on there. I'm excited. I got to write a lot today. I'm going out. This week's gonna be a big stand up week. I'll let the listeners know how it goes. Um, but I'm going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Wow. This week, yeah. What is your uh, What has your cadence been the last couple of weeks? Not good. I haven't gone the past couple weeks. Yeah. Um. So, this is like my. Dipping my toes back into the water. I miss I miss like being in the scene. I miss being able to talk about doing stand up in a very real way. Like last night I had this. Plus it's like I don't want all of our conversations to be about our jobs, you know? No, like, totally. we got I we, we gotta do dope shit if we wanna have dope conversations. <laughs> you know? It's like the same thing when we were talking like I remember a lot of the reason that I was down to go to Australia and like play it by ear and kind of do something different was like if you want to have a cool life you got to do cool shit that's so funny i was literally just reading about this where it was an article like it was an article about like like how you can influence your decision making and it was pretty much like if you want to be an interesting person like you got to do interesting shit that's all it is and it was a really weird article honestly it was kind of preachy but (laughs) (laughs) if you believe (laughs) like who are you telling me how to make decisions you will succeed No, I get no, that but completely. It's... And I feel like that's a fun way to, to think about things too. It's like like you gotta yeah, you gotta do new things. You gotta step yeah, you out of the comfort to. zone. Or else you're like you're the most boring person in the world to talk to. But you're still working? Yeah. Yeah. How's it going? I don't love it, but it's a good step Pays for now. The bills. Yeah. No, totally. All right, well, I'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. I can't have that. I wanna I wanna get back to my roots, dude. I love stand-up. Dude, I talked to McNeil today. Oh, yeah? Um, for a while, yeah. McNeil is going to come on the podcast with Severin soon, I would hope. I think they're really just waiting for our call. They're in San Francisco, so we should save that for a live episode. Definitely. But, 
yeah, he was just interested in kind of stand up and my writing process because he's been writing comedy lately, uh, but he hasn't gone up yet. And it didn't really seem like he was in any rush to get up. He just like was comfortable like writing out bits at the moment, which is totally great. Um, but at the same time, like you can only write so much and learn and be so funny without actually doing it, you know? Yeah. So I kind of like it though. Like if you, if you're really comfortable writing comedy, like there's so many fun ways to, to get that across too. Totally. No, I'm not even knocking it. I'm just saying like, if the goal is to be good at stand up, you got to start doing stand up. Yeah. But if the goal is to just write comedy, then you can do that no matter what. Yeah. That's awesome. Did he just call you out of the blue or text you out of the blue? He texted me last night and was just like, hey, talk to Tommy. Heard, like, you're doing well and, like, you're doing stand-up. And, you know, I listen to your podcast on the way to work. I think it's great. You guys are fucking killing it. So another compliment. Um, you think he's serious? <laughs> I don't know if I believe him. <laughs> uh, and, and then he was like, yeah, but I have a I have some questions about it. And I was like, cool, let's just talk on the phone tomorrow. Cause too much to go over via text. Yeah. Um, but I talked to him and he seems well, that's great. They're living, they're living in a six person house in like the mission kind of by Potrero Hill, which is very deep. Yeah. Um, have I talked to you about the bit where it's like everyone in San Francisco Every straight person in San Francisco has like a sick ass time at gay bars. No, <laughs> dude, your, this comedy, bit was your comedy is quickly becoming so like gender and sexual preference. <laughs> I'm definitely not shying away from it. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it more so came from an annoyance with straight people for being full of shit. Because if you notice, if you listen to every conversation about like straight people that t tell you that they went to a gay bar. It's always followed up. How was it? Like, it was actually really fun. Like I actually had so much fun. Like they brought Ryan a drink and they were so funny and fun. It was hilarious. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Right. Every time somehow everyone, every straight person that has ever been to a gay bar has a great time. It's always been fun. Never. It's always been fun. fun every time. And I'm sure it's probably more fun than straight bars most of the time, but you got to be, like, there's no way you're going to convince me that no one, no straight person has had a bad time at a gay bar, right? Even if it's the lights, right, or the music you don't like for some reason. Even if it's, it's not about the gayness, right, or the mirror that hangs over all the urinals and you can see each other's dicks. Yeah. Maybe that three off. Whatever it is. I'm just saying it's okay to have a bad time. It's like, it's like the same muscle where, like, a, like a, like a masculine conservative guy could never admit that he had fun at a gay bar right it's just like it like if like a group of like macho dudes came into a gay bar accidentally ordered a drink and then like made the like, like realized halfway in and like dipped and they were all like dude that fucking gay bar is so gay that sucks and there's got to be one guy that's like i don't know it's fucking good music yeah. <laughs> super friendly bartender yeah friendly didn't have trouble getting a drink so something something there like walking that line of of like, you know, people aren't going to listen to you. Yeah. Like, it's it's such an attempt. It like it stems from the attempt to like be performative with your open mindedness and your acceptance. You know. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of a. I mean, like you're saying, like it's it's unique to groups that are like very progressive. Yeah. Where 
it's easier to just be like, I just want to like, I want to make sure I'm on the correct side of this thing. Right. Like, I, I don't know how people are going to interpret what I'm saying. So let's just keep it. Right. If I say I had a bad time at a gay bar, they're going to be like, oh, you're this fucking homophobe, yeah. you know, and you don't want that judgment. And I get that. But. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to hear how all the jokes play in San Francisco, because it's like, I think I'd almost be the perfect crowd in terms of it's the stuff that that community hears all the time. Yeah, totally. Like, and I'm sure if you, if you don't think about how often it comes up, like you kind of just accept it for what it is and like, you don't notice it. Yeah. But. Well, it's funny because, and I talked about this briefly with Blake on his episode, but that San Francisco has kind of always been a place for cutting edge comedy and, and really, you know, against the grain takes and, 20, 30 years ago, that used to be progressive takes. Um, but now progressive tra- takes are the assumption. That's the mainstream. So the actual cutting-edge takes are the ones that kind of push back on some of those, like, you know, ultra-progressive ideals or, or, or ultra-progressive people, like being able to make fun of them too. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of what I see being, like, the new direction of, like, cutting-edge comedy. Uh, and I was just thinking that, when I went and saw Jim Norton last night, for instance, the majority of the crowd felt like they like they were so happy that he was saying these things on stage that were kind of like, you know, if you're proud that you got the vaccine, you should die just as much as the people that are refusing to get the vaccine, you know, because like you're both equally annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that kind of stuff or like, like freedom of speech stuff, like th- those type of jokes, whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't love them just cause I think it's like, like it starts to feel like a rally pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, but who's with me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's people like, yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, all right. Mm-hmm. Like loud clapping in the background. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just interesting. I think, but the the crowd that shows up to these like smaller stand up shows is and uh, open mics are typically like the more millennial young like hipstery people in San Francisco. So a lot of the times the jokes don't always play super well there. But in the clubs, I think there's a lot of people dying to hear those those kind of like well developed takes where like they don't have to do anything. Like you've got it to a point where they're okay to laugh because it's really genuinely funny and well thought out. Um, but it, it's hard to get there because, you know, people will quickly jump on you yeah. if it's not. It seems hard too, fun. where it's like if you if you have any hesitation in your voice, or like if you have any, any. like any self doubt in the bit, it will be so transparent for the crowd, and they'll like I can't imagine they would buy in. Like they like I'm sure Jim Norton completely believed and completely perfected 100%. what he was saying. Like where there's no hundred percent. There's no like, and you know I just want to like I want to I want to be clear that I'm not saying this. It's like, he's no. just like, dude, that's annoying. The, the, yes. these, these people are annoying. Like these yes, people that exactly. are in your face about getting the vaccine are annoying. Yeah. It's also annoying yeah. the person's preaching to you about, you yeah. know, that your kid's going to have disabilities because you just got the vaccine. Like that person's yeah. also annoying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, that's exactly what he does. And he, and he plays both sides really well, but it's, it's very authentic. You believe him, what he's saying. You might not even agree, but you can at least laugh at this guy who's like, like that is his world and that is his opinion and it's hilarious. You know? Yeah. 
Um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I would say in the open mic scene, there's pretty good freedom to try jokes you want to try, but they're not going to give you any, like, they're not going to make it easier for you. You just kind of have to have the balls to like try it. And, and I like, I think of a lot of these bits, but I really don't take them on stage unless I'm already doing well. And then I'll try them out. Right? Yeah. Like if I get laughs in the first two minutes, I'm like, I have, I have the, the, um, privilege or not the privilege, but the, uh, like I've built a good enough relationship with the crowd to the point where they'll, they'll hang with me for these next couple jokes that aren't like completely worked out. Yeah. Five nights a week's a lot. Are you going to, are you going to do the same material and just tweak it every night? Is that your plan? Yeah. Maybe try some old stuff first just to get used to being back on stage and then kind of go into new stuff or if it goes well right away, depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, it's not like I have a ton of material. Uh, I could scratch everything I've ever done up to this point and just try new stuff, which is what I do a lot of the time. But I need to get better at like compiling everything that I've done and making the best product possible. Like I want to get somewhere now with this this thing. Are you comfortable so, rolling up there sober now? For sure. Yeah. You got to. Well, I don't know. It seems like some people I could totally see them having a drink or two before. No, I don't drink because if you do, if you like that is the worst habit you can form. For sure. It's like having to have drinks before you go on stage, uh, and also like. I, when I started it, I was do, living at my parents' house. So what am I going to do? I guess I could go and order a drink before I went on. And then just like, but I was driving there and back. It was a Tuesday. Like, yeah, I had work the next day. It's, it's just not, not worth it. Yeah. And a lot of comics are like sober. Like no one orders drinks at the bar. It's horrible. I bet that's a total new age thing too. Like if you talk to the grunge crowd that existed 10 20 years ago in the up and coming scene yeah. like you gotta imagine it was just a a real group of partiers i feel like it's yeah. interesting you hear about i mean i only have two specific examples but i've heard about uh theo vaughn and i think nikki glazer is that the girl's name the woman's name yeah um yeah. i've heard them both talk about how just because they spent so much time in bars and comedy clubs and whatever it was just like abusing alcohol without even like thinking they're an alcoholic. It was just like, this is the lifestyle yeah. I'm living. So I might as well like party while I'm here. But it's interesting. They both talked about like right when they got sober, it was the one, took the off. one point on the map that you could like point to and be like, all right, this is where everything changed. And this is yeah. where things really worked out for me. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I mean, I'll definitely, be drinking less from here on out just because I, I feel like I'm like, especially after the weekend I had and then also hitting rock bottom, <laughs> but also, but also like it's a similar feeling to at the end of college where we're just drinking every day and it's like, I'm ready to like really start doing something that's productive. Um, I don't like my productivity here. Like that's like, I, I'm very happy. I'm having fun, but I'm glad this, is finite and that this will come to an end because it's time for me to start like really being productive and intentional. We haven't used that it's word been, in a while on the podcast. It's been a while since I said intentional, but I'm trying to be intentional. People got to understand too, listeners. I'm 23. Okay. You know, you were with me when I was 20. 
Yeah. What? 21. 21 was when we started the pod. That's how old I was. Okay. So I guess what I'm saying is you could look at all our episodes and say, like, Connor has flip-flopped and said the same shit over and over and over again. Guess where he's gone? Fucking nowhere. Right? Yeah. But you got to think of, like, I'm still, I still got so much runway. I'm just going to keep taking at-bats until I can knock this thing out. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's not easy to make a a change in the way you view your life. You know, that's not something that happens yeah. in a matter of weeks. I've been trying yeah. to, I've been trying to figure it out as well. And I mean, not figure it out, but like, I've been trying to be more conscious about that as well. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's a lot easier to yeah. do nothing. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's a lot less fulfilling. I've been trying to go like sober in terms of like binge drinking. Yeah. Where like, I want to be sober from having more than six drinks in a night, which sounds like a big number when I say it out loud. But like if I that's not if I go out you know if I have dinner at seven and then I go out until midnight, like that's kind of my dream recipe for having fun on the weekends. Okay, because it lets me like see the people that I want to see, like socialize, relax, you know, get out there, meet new people. But it's not to the point where it's like it used to be. You know, meet up with friends at six, drink for dinner, have dinner, drink after, yeah. go out till two, wake up the next morning at 10, just like so faced. Yeah. And just like, I would get so frustrated being like, God damn it, dude. I just worked all week. Like my one day off to do something I want to do. All I yeah. want to do is like wear a hoodie and crawl under the covers. And order pizza. And order even worse than pizza. Just like, just bread, <laughs> just white bread. <laughs> Just butter and butter and salt on a piece just, of toast. Just like hummus between two pieces yeah. of bread. <laughs> just so I think, spinach and kale dip. I, Yogurt dip, dude. I think uh Yeah, yeah no, like, I don't think for, like for me, I don't think the healthy move would be to get completely sober right now. Like, no, I, and I also sorry. I was gonna say I feel like that's like an overcorrection for me. Because my issue isn't with or the issue I have with going out and drinking isn't the actual going out and drinking. It's just that how quickly it can like bleed into my other days yeah, and just like prevent me from doing the shit that I really want to do with my free time. Right. Right, right, right. And I totally agree. Yeah. Like this weekend I went out Friday and I just like, I went home at 11 and it was awesome. Like I, there's I, nothing better. I woke up the next morning at like seven and I was like sick. And today I, I didn't go out at all last night just cause I was tired. But I, uh, it's like the weekend has been like nine days since I haven't been hung over this weekend. Really? Like it's felt like I've had all the time in the world. That's awesome. But I haven't done shit with yeah. it either. So it's like, what, <laughs> what, right. what, what am I not bendering for? I'm not going to do anything with the time. But no, I think my I thing know. is like, if I have six drinks in a night, I have like, I'm, I'm lubricated enough where I can go and like enjoy being in a bar. I'll be honest. Do you enjoy being at a bar? I, I do. Like I've had really. Fun. What do you like about it? Um, I like that it's it's a new it's a new environment, you know. Like yeah, maybe not the first time I've been there, but it's a new environment in terms of like somewhere that I only go once every couple weeks or whatever. I enjoy that it's a place where where you can kind of like you can kind of do what you want and like talk to people that you want to talk to. Like, can you clarify what kind of bar you're imagining when you're talking about this? I'm imagining something definitely below a club. Like yeah. where there's lights on, where there's music, but you're not shouting. And there's options to both sit and stand. 
Okay. Like it's kind of my perfect happy medium where it's like, if you want to like, if you want to be the fun guy that goes and dances, go dance, you know? Yeah. Go let loose for a little bit. But that's a great bar. If you want to be the guy that sits down and catches up with a friend you haven't talked to in a bit, what what's a better place to do that? You know, uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of bar that I like. I th- I think uh, I've been asking myself this question: Why do I? The reason I end up drinking so much is because I'm not having fun at the bar. Yeah. Do I even like going to bars? Well, I think it's also. I don't even know if it's, if it's like a scientific fact or if it's like someone's theory. But it's just that you drink so much because I'm telling you what you drink. But <laughs> there's theories that like you drink because you realize between the fourth drink and the fifth drink you're having a better time. In between right. the fifth drink and the sixth drink you're having a better time. And right. it's almost like the uh, like it's your intuition telling you like okay like keep drinking and it's gonna like could you imagine how sick it's gonna be if you have 15 drinks? Like could you imagine yeah. how fun that's gonna be? Yeah. But really you hit that number that like for me is like. I don't know, like maybe nine where mm-hmm. eight, maybe where it's like, you go and point of no return. You're at the point where you're like, you didn't know that guy. You're letting someone else. You didn't know that guy. Well, wheel. talk to him for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the same thing where it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't need, I don't think I need to drink enough to like be really hung over in order to still enjoy going out. All right. Uh, enjoy the episode, right. everybody. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Honor, honor.